If you're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums, it's here before you die. episode we'll be talking about the jesus and mary chain darklands in the room i have ann hey and rob hi guy and on the line i have kyle well hi and jesus and mary chain darklands is the second studio album by the scottish alternative rock band the jesus and mary chain it was released on the 31st of august 1987 by blanco y negro records the producer was william reed and bill price John Loader, and the genre is alternative rock, post-punk, noise, pop. I'll read from All Music Review, Ned Ragger. Feeling no doubt burdened by the various claims of being the new Sex Pistols and likely fed up with accusations that the walls of feedback were their own trick, the Reed brothers underwent a bit of rethinking with Darklands. The end result must have fallen squarely between the two camps. Hardly eligible for sunny commercial airplay, not quite as flailing as the earliest efforts, but from a distance, this is an appealing, enjoyable record. Songs were often longer, while the album itself was shorter than Psycho Candy. Walls of sound were often stripped away in favor of calmer, classic rock twang and groove. While William Reed took the lead vocals at points, showing he had a slightly sweeter, wistful tone in comparison to his brother. However, the changes on Darklands can be overstated. The basic formula at the heart of the band inspired plagiarism of melodies and lyrics alike, plenty of reverb, etc. Stayed pretty much within the same, even if the mixes were cleaned up. The use of drum machines in place of Bobby Gillespie's rumble tended to enforce the newer focus, but at the album's best, such a seeming dichotomy didn't cause too much worry. April Skies made a great single, while the soaring, in spite of itself, Happy When It Rains, was another winner, one that Garbage more or less made its own some years later from its own similarly titled hit. Williams' singing turns made for other highlights as well, notably Nine Million Rady Days, the overt misery of the title, suiting the dark crawl of the song, and the lengthy lament on the wall. Darklands is no psycho candy in the end, Nothing the band released later ever was, but it's still a good listen. All right, what do we think of the Jesus and Mary Chain Darklands? This was a delight. Yeah. This, this was a first listen for me, and uh, yeah, it. Uh, there's a lot I really enjoyed. Totally. Yeah, I love this record. Um, this and Psycho Candy are just kind of like the staples for me for the Jesus and Mary Chain, and I. it's really easy to pick which one you want to listen to because it's like, am I feeling distorted and rocky? And, you know, I want that noise that like really sharp, uh, distorted electric guitar. Or do I feel like I want more like a pop sensibility record? Hmm. 
and you get to choose. Yeah, this is a first listen for me too. And uh, I agree. It kind of reminded me of uh, uh, Pulp sure. when they sure. put out different class and then this is hardcore afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of like the sort of a chiller kind of more, I don't know, stripped down kind of sound. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, like got, they got rid of the um, drummer. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the drummer, yeah. the drummer got well, rid of him. So. Yeah. Sorry. Didn't mean to from, from the jump. We should say so long, Bobby Gillespie. See you in episode 705. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> Prim- Primal scream. He's, uh, yeah. he's doing, doing good. Work. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of made sense uh, when I was reading back about their, their touring and, and what they were doing. I mean, they gave him the ultimatum. They were like, you can either be in this band or, or not. You can be in your other band. He he chose that that other side, and I kind of understand why because it was never going to I feel like click for him like in in the way that uh, the brothers were always you know together and it's sort of like the duality of those two, and then there was like a uh, he he felt like the odd man out essentially. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this. I had I had not listened to it either. I feel like what's established with Psycho Candy, all the different noises and sounds sort of get changed in this one in a way where there there's like more melodic stuff and it's like shifting into something that's unique. And I like both of them. So yeah, this is definitely chiller or like less. I don't know. It's more pop sensibility. Yeah, it has it has less of the rigid like walls of feedback. I mean, when it came mm-hmm. out, two fans were like, <laughs> "What is going on? Like, right. did you guys sell out? What? Like, why did?" Yeah, you- like this wouldn't sound out of place on like a John Hughes soundtrack or no. something. Sure, like, yeah. No, yeah, I got tons of like psychedelic furs and and mm-hmm. other you know kind of similar vibes, but the difference is that that sort of stripped down robotic drums of the drum machine. Which I didn't really find them to be that robotic. I was I was the after the first song, I was surprised while I was doing my homework to realize that it was a drum machine. Yeah. Which just goes to show you, like you know, if you're either a taking all of those points out into amplifiers and miking them, you can get away with it. Or b mm-hmm. taking all those points out and then applying effects to where you need them. Like it, uh, drum machines don't have to sound cold, and I don't think this sounds cold. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like the technology at the time was. They want it to sound a little more natural than mm-hmm. the, you know, craft work, digital sampled uh, drums. Yeah, it doesn't sound like the Jesus lizard using like a, a drum machine. You know, it's yeah. it's it's very natural sounding, I feel mm-hmm. like. Another Jesus fan. <laughs> the Jesus and the Mary Chain <laughs> and the Jesus lizard. The producers on this uh, was one of the brothers, one of the producers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so we have, uh, yeah, we have William. Uh, we got Bill Price, uh, mm-hmm. who I came to find out he was the one who mixed uh, Nilsson's uh, version of "Without You," mm-hmm. um, and uh, he was also the engineer for Tom Jones, The Clash, The Sex Pistols, and The Pretenders. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's he's got good good company. And then uh, John Loder, we've already talked about. He was uh, considered the ninth member of Crass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think he worked on. Um, Oh, I don't care. Not, not, not going to pontificate <laughs> after that. Don't care. Uh, but yeah, the so production wise, it's really good. Yeah. Like it, it it sounds full. I see like a teenager's closet, and all of a sudden, like there's like uh, Long John's like 
behind holes and jeans appearing and like a flannel is like appearing like yeah. somewhere and uh <laughs> some some doc martens are are yeah. apparating into existence like this feels like it where it feels so much closer to 1990 1991 mm-hmm. like uh singles era seattle sound i know these guys are out of scotland but like this this is also the same way that we were talking last time with husker do this is bleeding into like what the uh, the, sure. the the future of uh, I guess punk breaking. Yeah, I, it makes for, room for that sonically. Right? Yeah, yeah, for me, I mean, this just provides another template for shoegaze sort of my bloody valentine slow dive like all the medicine all those bands that I still are still haven't heard my bloody valentine or that slow are, dive, so that I, are completely what? on this level taking uh, going back tracing back to the velvet underground and then coming through like the jesus and mary chain for me kind of represents that punk aesthetic uh that that has translated from uh, the velvet underground and then will continue to translate into the slower like melancholy uh distortion you know obviously this one's not as distorted so there's a lot of other bands that have the shoegazing kind of sound but are are hearkening back to a little bit of a like 60s girl groups i guess is is what you would say sure Yeah. yeah yeah I mean, they, their combination when they started, they wanted to be Ezroy Neubauten and then uh, Velvet Underground and then 60s girl groups. And I, it, it comes across yeah. in, a, in a weird Absolutely. way. Shangri-Las, that's what uh, they quoted as. Uh, they, and they did try to get them real, like, quote unquote, real producers for this. Like they're willing to spend the money, but they just couldn't work with real producers because they didn't want to do... Anything that <laughs> the Jesus tell Mary, me how yeah, to live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They got in the room with all the producers, and then they would just like on Psycho Candy. They did. They, no one wanted to turn it up to eleven, and they wanted to do all these things that were, you know, the producers had their ideas, and they they never saw eye to eye with these these people. I think a lot of that too has has to do with like their personalities, doing a lot of drugs at the time, and just. Uh, just having your own sort of like vision. As far as I can tell, I'm being dragged from here to hell. All my time in hell is spent with you. It's under Kendrick now, so. Deep one perfect morning or happy when it rains? Uh, nine million rainy days. Wow, we were already there. Wow, this, yeah. is, a, this is a short record. Yeah, I, I, uh, happy when it rains. I thought was a terrific pop song, and that uh, Jarvis Cocker should be ashamed of himself. Um, mm. And then <laughs> the fact that uh, we we go to nine million rainy days what, that indicates that uh, if the entire day was rainy. Uh, there is actually exactly uh, 216 million happy hours, uh, according to Track 3. Okay. <laughs> Just thought you'd like to know that. I would did, like to did, know did that. Did a little math. <laughs> Thank you. And following it up with uh, April skies, uh, yeah, statistically, April showers to bring May flowers. So there's a theme. <laughs> okay. Uh, about the producers... It says, one night while working on Darklands, the bands were frustrated, head to bed, while Hughes and Stanley, who were the 
like original producers stay up to complete a, a song in the morning they excitedly played it for the band they'd spent hours putting a double bass on it <laughs> and this is from uh, Jim's liner notes in a 2011 uh, double reissue of Darklands it says me and William looked at each other and just burst out laughing they were utterly gutted we definitely <laughs> we d- devastated and that was the end of that we got back home rob dickens called us up and goes you're fucking losers you had world-class producers and you laughed at them just basically saying you're never going to happen (laughs) wow that's awesome i mean but sometimes did did psycho candy not chart i like to hear that uh psycho candy did chart yeah but this one did better than psycho it did this was their most this has been their most successful record to date. Hmm. Yeah. So, and I understand why. I mean, it's very pop oriented. It's really melodic. Yeah. It feels yeah. a little more mature sometimes too, especially like lyrically. There's repetition of themes, but also there's side B. There's some shit that really does sound damn close to side A. Yeah. Like there, there's like tonal like a uh, um, repeats as well. Yeah. It's true. It harkens into the sort of they were talking about twangy rock in the write up, and I got a you know I got some Stones vibes. I mean, if Stones were just kind of uh, slowed down, something like that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got a little bit of like a Bob Dylan vibe a, a little bit of the time, like with the the sort of way he presents lyrics. It's it's interesting. It it feels very in the space of I would say you know rock or classic rock or or something like that. It's got good production too. It's like crystal mm-hmm. clear production. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was cranking this up and it it sounds really good. Mm-hmm. It really does, yeah. People have also said that, you know, there's no element of Darklands that dates it. The sound quality uh, aside from maybe if you can tell that's an electric snare or something like that, but it has this like that slight reverb that harkens back to the 60s. It, it kind of puts it out of place for the time so this kind of sounds like 80s but you could also imagine this being like a little bit earlier in the 70s or a little bit later in the 90s or 2000s you know there's not no that's that's a good point like i I was thinking more 90s but yeah you can uh you could do this anytime chromatics are still doing this today you know everything on italians do it better um with johnny jewel it has all that is basically based on this kind of slow rock uh, melodical uh, either elements. Ha- either I'm having a strong, or I don't no. know what words anything, you are saying. Anything you heard you on just the just said di- a record label. Yeah. Oh, Italians do it better. Yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, yeah. Label. It's any everything in drive. I only know because he talks about it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's all the like slow wave chill. You mean the movie drive? The movie drive. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah those, so those so basically, any song in there is like based on this kind of like slow rock melodic singing. Okay. Which goes straight back to the Juice and Mary Chain, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, stories. I have plenty. Late on me. Tell me your tales. I don't think we got into kind of what they were doing in the early years on Psycho Candy, but from 1981 to 1983, apparently Jim Reed, Douglas Hart, just spent every waking moment together hanging out in a band factory, taking mushrooms and acid, and planning to start the perfect band. Their biggest influence, the Velvet Underground. And of course, they combined, wanted to combine noise and melody. But yeah, essentially, they, 
they, they just spent two years just taking acid and planning their band. That sounds awesome. That's the key. <laughs> that's the key. It's like really far ahead planning. Because yeah. that's four years before this album, right? Yeah. Yeah. When the band toured on this album in North America, in Detroit, two of Jim's guitars, including his beloved Vox Phantom, were stolen. On their way to New York, they realized that no, not only were they robbed, they were left a gift. Uh, they were, quote, we were driving to New York and there was this horrible stench in the van. Jim... Aww. Jim will tell how when we got to New York and started unloading the gear and there's half a pig's head in the bass drum, the guys took the guitars and left us with that. Wow. That's Detroit. That's a quality fuck you. Wow. Yeah. It did say things got worse for the band during their Toronto show. One heckler repeatedly calls Jim a cocksucker throughout the set. Jim tells the security uh, if you don't get rid of him, something's going to happen. Nobody did anything, so he just got to a breaking point, hit him over the head with a mic stand, and allegedly slashes uh, another spectator's arm. After the gig, the band were prevented from leaving the venue. Promoter calls the police, arrests Jim for assault, spends the night in jail, is bailed out. Three months later, he returns um, for a two-hour trial. And he's forced to apologize, donate 500 pounds to a Salvation Army charity and signed some Jesus and Mary chain records for the judge's daughter. 500 pounds Canadian or 500 toonies? I believe it's It says pounds. Oh, I hope he went up there and said, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) In his best Scottish Canadian. (laughs) Yeah, I just love the part where he's like, oh yeah, and by the way, my daughter needs some sign these Please sign these Fine. <laughs> uh, it it also, you know, I, I read a lot about their touring and just them in general, and it seemed like they were always that band that widely credited, respected, but just never got to a place that everyone, you know, they didn't have the merch, they didn't have the look. It was two guys and a drum machine, or you know, two guys and a drummer, and they toured on the. Uh, the the Lollapalooza, they said it was the worst tour they've ever been on with Pearl Jam, Ice Cube. Um, wow. You know, I think it was 90... Uh, it was in the 90s. 92? Yeah, 92. yeah. Uh, and they, <laughs> they were laughing because they would tour and they would go on after Pearl Jam. So Pearl Jam is like <laughs> climbing the speakers. Eddie Vedder had the, a move where he would like climb up this like mountain of speakers and like sing to the crowd and everyone was singing along. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like doing doing like the early probably 10 was out at that time. Maybe go. Um, 10 was definitely out. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> and then they would come on and their dour like two guys their moppy hair and just like being singing these sad songs real slow like yeah yeah. in the like beating sun (laughs) while everyone went to buy pearl jam merch yeah Yeah. should should really uh switch some uh some bands around (laughs) good god what a fucking following pearl jam like ever fuck that thanks perry pharrell yeah Yeah. no shit uh also porno for for pirates i believe they got into a little bit of an argument with um, Ice Cube or some of his his crew, and then they realized that 
oh wait, they have guns on our bus. <laughs> let's oh, just no. we will not uh let's not get we in an argument with hit them. Hit them with a mic stand yeah. and pay off a judge. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not gonna work out like that. <laughs> I'm gonna have to sign so many posters. <laughs> <laughs> get a hand cramp. It's an album that I put on just, I don't know, it's just so chill. It's like a wonderfully chill album. It's, the... it's like something you'd hear like on the Twin Peaks soundtrack, you know, it's just. Yeah, it's soothing and it's sad, but I feel like there's a complexity to the sadness in this that's maybe missing from like the other one. Like it's, it's about aging a little yeah. bit and about maybe getting slightly more mature. Like uh, On the Wall is probably my favorite track and it's totally about that. Yeah. And That's I really appreciate one. it. Yeah. Yeah. Fallen uh, Cherry came to sound or Cherry came. Uh, those were weak on a record that was not weak. Yeah. Like it, as, soon, as soon as On the Wall came on, it was like, oh, yeah, back in, back in the habit. Okay. So you feel like it dropped off a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, the, side B blues. Yeah. Okay. That that sort of like yeah, I mean, uh, you, you, you can you can check my notes. I I I am multiple stars on on all this shit until uh, yeah, till fall happened. I was like, huh. Yeah, I could see that. I like the woven vocals on that though. I thought it was kind of interesting. Woven vocals. Mm-hmm. It's probably what it sounded like. But yeah, the cherry came to has like a kind of strange straining falsetto in it. That was definitely like, huh, <laughs> like. Yeah, he never wanted to sing. They they like kind of pushed him into singing. <laughs> he wanted someone else to sing, but are we, are we are we on about you now? Uh, or is this on the wall? On the wall. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it gave me uh, like uh, Lou Reed. Uh, oh yeah, Wild Side vibes. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. yeah I was oh, I was talking with Ann about how if we're thinking about these albums and the maturity or how they're different um it really goes back to the the first velvet underground and the third velvet underground for me too mm-hmm. which i mean there influences that and it, it, it it's like the third one has you know candy says and and these like beautiful songs right like these melancholy beautiful songs but they're not uh, as ruckus or as sort of like dirty as the the first album was in a way obviously there's some experimental in the third one so it's it's not a one-to-one comparison but i i thought i was thinking about that this week at least it's not about the uh the the one that's just uh, a speed come up can't oh. do white light white heat man yeah I'm yeah just not, just not my bag yeah well and that's i mean i feel like that one too is is more psycho candy it, you know that hmm. it's it's that they got out of the the noise in the same way Lou Reed figured out, hey, I can just write pretty songs. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> it's 
that's yeah. that's a, a strength I have. They, I think they felt the same way. Completely different side, but still feels like them. Yeah. Where'd this end up charting uh, England-wise, or I guess uh, UK-wise? 33, maybe? 23 in Ireland, 33 in... You have this off the top of your crawl? Yeah. I mean, I just read it earlier today. <laughs> I could be really wrong. You, you still retain knowledge? Sometimes, wow. yeah. I write things down and then I forget them. It's wonderful. It's a blank slate every day. Uh, peak peak uh, position for UK was five. Oh. Hot damn. Uh, US was 161. Yeah, the checks. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. The checks. There you go. Number one was rat. <laughs> round and round? <laughs> the, the singles, too, were April Skies, Happy When It Rains, and Dark Lands. I think that's probably the the way to go. Yeah, I'd say so. I would have picked those as singles, yeah. Yeah. Nine Million Rainy Days might have been a good one, too, but they probably decided, ah, <laughs> oh, we got to do Happy When It Rains or the other rain one. What do <laughs> like, you mean we can't you? name them both Joan of Arc? <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's good. Uh, it did go gold in the UK, but that's uh, a little bit different than, I think, the US. 100,000 yeah. uh, copies. It just has this wonderful melancholy... It makes me feel like I could I can make a record again. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I love that for you. Do it. Having these drums, doing the bass, doing the guitar thing. Yeah. It, it feels simple, but I I mean I know this is a lot more complicated, but it does uh, it does give me a it feels a bit like a the sparseness is is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of a precursor to those early '90s bands where you hear them and you're like, "I, I could play that." <laughs> you buy a guitar, or it's you a throwback to it. those punk bands in the '70s where you hear that and you're like, oh, "I could do that." Yeah, I can scream and fall down. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it right now. I'm great at it. <laughs> it's like poetry; it rhymes. <laughs> uh, are we all on the positive? Oh yeah, I love I this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um... Medium. No, no. Just, just a caveat to it. Like this is not my jam. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it a lot, Mm -hmm. but like it slides right off my brain. Okay. Like, uh, and then when eventually we hang out and this will be on, I'm like, oh, that's nice. What's that? (laughs) And then you're gonna say it again. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then I'll forget. Um, and yeah, just it's it doesn't hold my attention. Uh, but I appreciate the uh, I pre- appreciate what they've done. A pleasant amnesia. So you just <laughs> you just proved my they're well respected, but never never made it in in a, the upper echelons of of bands that that get you yeah know, sure really talked about. Yeah, I didn't look up any of their live stuff from around this point. If anyone had a video camera like they're, handy, like their they're, live stuff. I mean, they're the, really was aggressively. Arguing with the audience, right? It was like really violent. Yeah. Well, I don't hate that. I would be interested in seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. By this time, though, they had kind of toned that down. And so Mm -hmm. they're just a little, you know, they're kind of like dour. So it's not a fun live show. Well, people still throw beers at them and stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. I don't throw beers at bands. I'm not a, I'm not a monster. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know if I'd like that. We've all seen the Blues Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like they wanted to do something and they felt annoyed that uh, that the audience couldn't uh, get with them. 
if that makes sense. And I think that that's what really caused a lot of tension is that they wanted to play their way as loud as they wanted, how they wanted to. Why the fuck when they touring with the psychedelic furs? Like, why weren't they like just being with bands that were also on the same like page? I mean, they toured in 90 with like. Dinosaur Jr. and yeah. My Bloody Valentine and yeah. Blur, I think. That, so yeah. like, that, that sounds right. Yeah. And by that time, <laughs> they're, they had, it had kind of toned down or, you know, they weren't like fighting actively, trying to fight with the audience or anything. But I, f- I feel like you can't get really inspired by like the Velvet Underground and be like, why aren't we selling records? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. Especially if they were sort of offered the chance to produce in that way and they decided not to. Right? Yeah. And it's like. Yeah. Do you feel that they were sad about it? What was, I, was everyone were, always? I sad think they about were that? always sad. <laughs> they, that, that, that was their superpower. Yeah, being kind of uh-huh. bu- melancholy and bummed. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all in the positive. Yeah, Possibly, okay. yeah. I think so. Yeah, cool. Uh, next time we'll be talking about Lady Smith Black Mambazo. Shaka. Zoo.